This is about humans dreaming together. About humans supporting each other on our journeys. It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life. The young and the curious. The dreamers and the doers. To those who crave to be a strong individual. And want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Tim Bishop, back with another episode of the Dreamology Podcast. Remember, we are here because in school, we didn't learn about how to make our dream lives a reality. And so here we are studying how to do that, and we are making sure that we're all making daily progress towards our dream lives. For me, it's been a little bit over 18 months since I made the conscious decision to try to make my dream life a reality. And in that process, I am trying to grow, to transform, to connect, to love, to contribute, and to really just see what the best life looks like for me. And I want to help others do the same. And these conversations are a way that I can do that. And so I'm really excited to introduce today's guest. Let's get to it. Today's guest is Sarah Young, the founder of Zing Collaborative, and Zing Collaborative is a space for incredible humans, teams, and organizations to come together to explore what it looks like to lead powerfully and authentically. And so she is a coach, a leadership advocate. She hosts retreats, events, all of those good stuff. And today we really focus on the conversation around career, purpose, calling, work-life balance versus work-life integration, how to follow your heart, how to be guided by your values, how to not let yourself slowly drift away from your dream life, and the two most important things that she thinks about what the dream life looks like. And so this conversation has a lot of good stuff and a lot of value for me and for the listeners. And so I will jump into it now. Without further ado, here is Sarah Young with Zing Collaborative. Sarah, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm great, and thank you again for having me. Awesome, good to hear. Well, I wanna I wanna dive in. I don't wanna I don't wanna get the full story yet because we'll get into the whole how the idea of Zing Collaborative came to be. But one thing that stuck out to me when I was reading it was just that you're building a community. That was a word that I, I saw used a few times. And I, I wanted to start on a higher level with what you think a community means to you. Like, what does that word mean? And I, I feel like there's a general longing in, in people's lives to have community. And it's something that is becoming more of an emphasis of focus. So when you think about the word for yourself and what you're building, like what does that word really mean to you? And uh, like, what are the requirements, I guess, for a good community to exist? Mm, that's a great question. Um, well, first of all, thank you for noticing that and acknowledging that. Um, I actually, when I first started my business back in 2013, it, it was named Zing Coaching. And after I had mm. started working on my business for a couple of years, I realized that um, the name didn't quite align with the scope of work that I was doing. And that mm. community or collaborative feel was really important to me. So I ended up changing the name to Zinc Collaborative. So thank you for noticing that. And yeah. <laughs> um, definitely something that's important to me. Um, I think fundamentally, when I think about community, 
it's you know connection it's caring it's compassion um and it's a group of humans who um, in their own unique way are you know working to make the world a little bit better in, in whatever way that looks like to them and i think um you know thinking about our world right now and a lot of the challenges that we're facing i feel like a lot of those things can be um, influenced or positively impacted by the power of the collective or of the community so um, that's what I think about when I think about, you know, the people who I am super privileged to work with. They're all these really incredible, brilliant people who, you know, in their own unique way are having an impact. And uh, so how can we harness the power of those individuals, but also um, of that collective? Yeah, that's that's cool backstory on how the name evolved to that. Um, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's something that I'm exploring in my own life, right? Like what does community look like and how do you apply it? And so it's cool to see you proactively taking those steps to get there. Was that something that was like instilled in you from a young age? Like why did that become important to you? I know that, um, you know, I was going to ask you a question about if there was role models who, who had sort of instilled this idea of community in you, was it due to a lack of community or how did this become important to you as uh, your career and your life evolved? I think it's always been something that has been important to me. I've been a part of a lot of different communities my whole life, you know, stepping back from, stepping back to cross country when I was, you know, really young and in middle school and high school. And um, I think, you know, a lot of the research supports this too. And I know you're familiar with the blue zones and we can talk more about that, but yeah. <laughs> fundamentally having strong relationships in our lives um, matters, not only for, you know, happiness, but like you said, related to loneliness and also um, even related to health and longevity. And um, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately um, in our current society as well, where it feels like in many ways we're in sort of a self-focused or eye-focused um, season of, of like society in general. And there's a lot of um, selfies and there are a lot of... Um, <laughs> posts about I and um, a lot of talk about accomplishments and accolades and, um, you know, it, <laughs> the, the research on um, the percentage of like eight-year-olds who want to be influencers when they get older. And um, I think it's a really particularly interesting question right now in our current society of like, how do we move from um, this focus on I and self to a broader focus on other and community and, and on that collective. And it's, it's not mm. anything that I've figured out, but it's yeah. been really curious about lately. Yeah. That's a fascinating question to think about because it is. Yeah. I mean, there's like 15 year olds who are millionaires um, who simply speak their life on, on YouTube and yeah, it's fascinating. And I, I got, got to spend about half a year in Southeast Asia for a bit um, and experiencing a little, I mean, I'm not going to say it's totally, but a little bit more of the we collective sort of ordeals and the, uh, and the overall societal uh, vibe there. So that was interesting just to see. And then when I came back here, I actually noticed it even more where I was like, whoa, okay. Like this is not, I don't know if it's bad or good, but there's, there's something to be thought about here. There's some, there's something to be considered or there's people out there who are really longing for community. So it's definitely, yeah, I'm, I'll be excited to, to hear your insights in the future as to <laughs> what uh, what you uh, you know discover about these things. But yeah, I mean, I know you know I'm a Blue Zones nerd, so I thought we got to talk about it because 
I, I have it written down here that your, your role was a purpose uh, committee, committee member and a purpose workshop facilitator. So I've read all the books, but I've never talked to somebody who was actually there firsthand in a town of Cedar Rapids, correct? And you were, um, you were part of, of helping this community become a blue zone. So for listeners who don't know, blue zones are uh, the five areas of the world with the highest rate of longevity, health, and wellness. And the founder of that tried to take those, or is taking those principles of health and wellness from those communities around the world and then bringing them to communities in the United States, taking the public health approach at changing the health of a community. So Sarah was uh, part of one of those community approached uh, health uh, experiments or whatever we want to call them. But so there's a backstory, but uh, talk to me about what that was like. I'm sure that really, you know, had your community juices flowing and, and, you know, due to the fact that you were obviously were, that was the main focus of it, but tell me about your experience with that. Yeah. Oh, well, great background and great overview. Um, so I spent about two years living in Cedar Rapids and uh had come there from Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, when I was there, was just looking for ways to get um, plugged into the community, and the Blue Zones work was one of the first things that I had found, and um, I had gone to a number of different events. You know, they had um, they had various MOIs, which, as you know, are these gatherings, so, you know, in the, in the Blue Zones body of work, like, like Tim and I were talking about, it's like, um, you know, people coming together um, in service of community is another one of those factors that um, increases longevity. So in Cedar Rapids, they had these different MOAs where you could, you know, get together and, um, you know, do potlucks or cooking classes or whatever it is. So um, I had discovered those and then through those had discovered the work um, that was happening around the purpose pillar. And um, basically what the research found was that if you, if you wake up with a sense of purpose, um, you're happier, you're healthier, and you can live up to seven years longer. So um, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess it makes sense. Um, and just the fact that that aligned really closely with the work that I was doing um, around leadership development and coaching and, and working with people to get more clarity on their purpose. Um, I got really interested in that and really excited about that. So I had the opportunity to um, work with that pillar in Cedar Rapids and then also lead some different purpose workshops um, around uh, Cedar Rapids and, and throughout Iowa and then um, in Minnesota and then had the, had the opportunity to go work with some of the Blue Zones teams actually on two different islands in Hawaii and then also out in Oregon. So um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really amazing work and to your point and to the point that we've been talking about I think just seeing um, seeing what was possible in the communities with people coming together in service of these ideas was really neat. And the, mm. cool, the cool thing that I think about the Blue Zones is, um, number one, that reverse engineering aspect. So instead of just relying on people's willpower or habit to create positive change, you know, you're actually trying to create positive change like structurally in the community, and then that can help to inform behavior. And I think that's a really interesting approach that a lot of places and a lot of people could benefit from. Um, and then also seeing the impact on these cities. So typically speaking, this, the cities that are targeted as blue zones are not the cities that already have all the bells and whistles, you know? So mm -hmm. um, Minneapolis wouldn't probably be a candidate. Madison wouldn't be a candidate. New York City wouldn't be a candidate because we already have bike lanes and we already have, um, you know, restaurants that serve organic food and things like that. And so um, a, a lot of the cities that were selected as blue zones had a ton of potential and had a, a 
a number of people in the community that were really um, engaged and incredible and committed. Um, and there was an opportunity to create some of those things where they didn't exist. So, um, you know, seeing the bike lanes go in or seeing some of these different changes happen or seeing restaurants, you know, tweak their menu um, was really neat uh, to witness as they um, went through that process of becoming tourism. Yeah. What does a purpose workshop look like? Mm, great question. Um, so basically, it's an opportunity for people to come and get more clarity on their purpose. And the way that we did that was through um, looking at strengths. And so in those workshops, we would talk about purpose and we would talk about the research behind, behind purpose. And then um, people would actually go through an exercise where they had these cards and did these activities where they looked at you know, what their strengths were and how that tied to purpose. And so they would leave with you know, some new insight on how they could use that information in service of their purpose. Um, you know, they would draft a, a purpose statement. And I think a couple of the, the really neat examples that stand out to me are from people who had recently retired and they were looking ahead at what does this next chapter of my life look like now that I don't have this job that I'd had for, you know, several decades mm. and then reconnecting to a new sense of purpose for that chapter of life. Yeah. Nice. Those sound, those sound powerful. <laughs> and again, kind of that community feel of the, the workshops were open to anyone who wanted to come, um, you know, broad range of people from, you know, all different ages and different uh, careers and different areas of life. So it's really fun to uh, see those people come together you know, in, in service of this topic of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's, uh, I want to shift it, uh, to you now. Let's talk about you. Um, <laughs> um, so one of the interesting things I've been finding about these, these interviews is that, uh, most, most people, if not all people, well, have, most people go through struggle in their life and they go through certain things that then eventually lead them towards like what they do and, and towards maybe even why I even found them for an interview candidate, right? You're a coach or you're a founder or you are, a professor, you you know, you you're doing something that society might take notice of, but to get there, there was some some obstacles and some things that that led them there. So you now are the founder of Zen Collaborative. You're building a community. You're coaching. You're speaking, but I want to get a story, like one memory or a moment or a thing that you remember that was something that you went through that was a struggle that helped sort of get you to where you feel like you are today and just was either a turning point or just something that was just straight up just difficult, um, but something that just taught you a lot about being human and living and helped you uh, build yourself into where you are today. Yeah, um, one of the most distinct memories was, it was an evening in my office and it was, it was probably like five or six o'clock. I remember it was winter and so it had gotten dark and I was in my office finishing up some things for the day. And I remember there was this moment in which I, I suddenly felt like there was no air in my office anymore. Like I felt like I couldn't breathe. And it was, it was a moment where I realized that there was misalignment between um, some of my actions and the things that I felt were most important in my values. And they weren't egregious and they weren't, you know, glaring and it wasn't like I had done anything unethical, but um, it had been this uh, series of sort of micro adjustments <clears throat> where I was mm -hmm. deviating slightly from my values and what I felt uh, to be true in service of, you know, um, what was needed in various contexts. 
and, and that was a choice that wasn't, you know, anything that anyone forced me to do by any means, but um, sort of just the realization that if I kept making these micro adjustments, you know, on a daily or weekly basis, at some point, um, I might not be able to return, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we become further and further from our values, even, even with these small compromises, um, then what, you know, and, and how can we be sure that we can return? So, so that was a, a really distinct moment where I, I remember having that feeling and it was a very physical feeling and realizing, I think that this is a sign that I need to make a shift. I need to make a change. Um, so, and, and that then um, began to inform some of my path toward making a transition and, and starting my business. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I feel like that's probably relatable to a lot of people because not everybody has this like super big moment of this big dramatic event that like alters their, like that huge like headline thing doesn't always happen for everybody. I feel like it is more of the the gradual, the, like whatever it might be, gradually shifting away from my dreams or gradually shifting away from what I, and it's so good for you for noticing that. And because I feel like that's the hard part is catching yourself in the process of of shifting away from something that you don't even realize, but you know it's not exactly aligned with who you are. So I feel like that's, I mean, that's relatable for me in a lot of ways. And I'm sure a lot of people listening. Um, what was, so what was the next course of action once you, once you realized, <laughs> okay, I'm not maybe living in full alignment. Like what, what does one do next? <laughs> And I love what you said too about just slowly drifting away. And I think you're absolutely right. I think for some of us, it's easy to wait for that moment of clarity. And sometimes it comes, but oftentimes it doesn't. And I really like what you said about how that often happens in a gradual way. And um, just to underline that, I think um, one of the things I talk about a lot is doing regular, frequent check-ins with ourselves around what is important to me? What do I value? And then are those things actually showing up in my life? Like, are they on my calendar? Am I hmm. acting and behaving in a way that aligns with the things that I say are important to me? Because I totally agree with you that without doing that, it can be really easy to start drifting away and we might not even notice. And then suddenly we, you know, sort of look around and, and wonder what happened. So, um, you know, do, doing those check-ins and asking ourselves those questions, I think can be helpful to have an honest conversation to see where are we and are the things we're doing and the way we're behaving in alignment with um, what's important. Hmm. So, um, in terms of your question around um, what, what do you do, uh, I think for a lot of people it looks a lot of different ways. Um, for me, I did what most of the business books say not to do, which is I sort of had this <laughs> moment of clarity, and then I decided to um, quit my job and start my company basically the next day. So I put the next in, day. Uh, I mean, after I after my last day. So yeah, so I put in my notice, <laughs> which was um, I put in my notice on March 28th. And my last day was May 1st, and then I filed my papers on on May 3rd, so one or two days later, and like started working on my business. So for me, I, I, ju I just jumped fully and I gave myself a year to um, see if it would work. And um, then to check in to see, you know, if it, if it hadn't worked, <laughs> um, <laughs> then maybe I would have needed to change course. Um, for a lot of my clients, they, they start making shifts gradually. So for a lot of my clients, there's a lot that can be done within the context of their current work. So maybe it's shifting their role or 
um, shifting the way that they're working or <clears throat> shifting their own relationship with their work. I think sometimes that's a big one. Like, how are we engaging with our work and what changes can we make from within ourselves that have nothing to do with anything outside of ourselves to feel more in alignment? Um, I, you know, I have a lot of clients that end up you know, taking different roles within their same company. A lot of my clients end up switching either to new companies or making a pretty significant pivot altogether where they decide, you know what, this this work overall isn't actually aligned for me. I'm not exactly sure what is, but um, but I know it's not this. And, you know, they go through the process of, through the coaching process of asking those questions and um, exploring what, what that next chapter could look like. Um, and I have a lot of clients that are, that are uh, beginning to build that passion on the side. So they still have their um, their normal job, and they're also starting to build the thing that they're passionate about on the, on the side without mm. a ton of urgency, you know, on the timeline, but knowing that that's the thing that they're building toward moving forward. Right. Okay. So talk to me more about what Zing Collaborative is and uh, like why, why this is so meaningful to you. Why is this helping you live more in alignment to, to the life you want to live? Mm. Well, I think I feel like that question is a constant practice for all of us. Um, I think there's a lot of narrative out there, especially in the coaching world of like, find your passion, find your purpose, and then like your whole life will be amazing. <laughs> and <laughs> I think in a, in a lot of ways, that's true. Um, our life can be more amazing if we find alignment in those ways. And also what I find is that that can open up a whole other set of things that we need to look at. For example, what I find, and I'm curious if you find this too, working with a lot of entrepreneurs and founders is when we are doing the thing that we are extremely passionate about, it can be really hard to shut it off. Um, it can be hard to find balance. It can be hard to know, you know, when is enough enough. Um, so it's not like all of our problems go away. It's just like, there's a different set of, <laughs> <laughs> set of things to look at and a different set of things to, to work on. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's, <laughs> Um, definitely a constant, you know, a constant ongoing practice to really check in with ourselves and look at how are we showing up in the world? Are we showing up in a way that feels aligned? You know, are we are we acting in integrity to ourselves and to the world around us? Um, and just continuing to look in the mirror and ask those questions. And sometimes, like we're talking about, it might be a big sweeping change, and sometimes it might be a small tweak of how we're showing up or you know how we are engaging in our relationships. Hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. But the the thing that I noticed that though is I feel like I would rather, this is me personally, I would rather be living, like be doing something that I'm aligned with and feel purpose in and have the new issues than have the issues be the fact that I don't feel fulfilled or I don't have purpose in my work. But I mean, absolutely, like literally all the time, I'm like, when do I stop working? What is What is enough? It's like, you feel like it's your baby. You want to just like run a million miles an hour with it and, and and never stop so i totally agree with you that it's not like it's not like the problems disappear um and it creates more problems in the sense or new problems in the sense that you maybe don't even know about you have to sort of like peel back all the layers because you're opening up yourself to you know new and deeper thoughts but yeah so it's definitely a self-reflective journey for for myself and uh so going back to the question of uh zing collaborative like what is the official if we wanted to like put a, you know, website summary product offering, <laughs> what do you guys like do on a, on a, you know, on a surface level? Yeah. The way that I tend to talk about it is um, to work with 
individuals, organizations, and teams to increase their positive impact in a way that feels inspired and alive. So that's kind of the umbrella. Um, so going back to that idea of working with people who, people and organizations that feel passionately about that idea of putting a positive dent you know, in the world in some way. And then um, specifically what that looks like is in the form of leadership development and people development and coaching. So I partner with organizations to um, figure out what they need in the area of people development and leadership development. And then I'll work with them to build out a program um, and run that program in-house, usually to um, usually to empower their groups of leaders um, within their organizations. Um, I also do some events and um, different workshops. I have a couple that are coming up this spring that are brand new that I'm excited about, um, a pretty in-depth leadership experience here in Madison uh, that's open to the public, um, a retreat out in California for women who are working in the spaces of sustainability and conservation. And nice. Yeah. And then I do some coaching and primarily on the coaching front, I coach um, leaders, founders, entrepreneurs, and people who are thinking about a career pivot in some way. Hmm. Let's talk about that retreat. What's the what's the vision for that? That sounds super. I'm not a woman, and I'm also not in conservation, but <laughs> but I'm still interested in the idea of the retreat. So let's talk about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> despite those things. <laughs> um, so the retreat is in partnership with three incredible women who work in that space. And so something that's really, really, really important to me in my work is the idea of conscious business. So. Um, Zinc Collaborative is a member of 1% for the planet, which means that 1% of all sales every year go back to organizations, uh, nonprofits that are working to protect our planet in some way. Nice. And um, so my, my really firm stake in the ground is that a lot of the positive change that we're going to create in our environment, in our world, and just the way things look right now, has to, it has to come from business. Um, it's like we can only depend on... Um, our government and legislation for so much and especially um especially recently uh <laughs> we won't get into that <laughs> <laughs> um, positive change really can can be had in in the space of um business and so this idea of conscious business is really really important to me and it's something i get really excited about and so um the three women who i'm uh, doing this retreat in partnership with they had um they had come to me with this vision for a retreat, uh, a high-level vision, and really the the why behind it was these women are working incredibly hard to create positive change, you know, in mm. the areas of sustainability or conservation. And they're they're working really really hard in service of the stuff that they believe in fully. Um, and as leaders, they need to also replenish themselves um, and you know take take that step back to make sure that they can they can refuel and replenish themselves as women and as leaders to then go back and do the really important work that they're doing. So it, it's part mm. leadership development, it's part um, personal, you know, restoration and nourishment. It's, um, you know, community, a community of women from across the country. And um, yeah, we'll take place in, in Northern California, um, you know, with lots of time for nature and reflection and um, community conversations in addition to the, the learning and development on the leadership nice it's also a way for you to get out of the the midwest winter huh you're skipping out on the snow that's awesome that sounds like an incredible um experience so it's basically from my interpretation it's your it's 
bringing leaders together and helping them refuel and, and develop themselves more so they can go and lead more. Is that a proper summary? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And, you know, most of my programs are of that philosophy that leadership starts from within Uh, leadership starts with self-awareness and as leaders, we need to first look within ourselves at, you know, who we are and what's important and, our strengths and our blind spots and get clear on our vision and what we're trying to create. And then we can talk about, you know, skills and tools and tactics, but um, really we have to have that, that deep reflection and, and self-awareness and self-development if we're going to go, you know, go forth and lead effectively. So that's mm-hmm. a big thread of that retreat. It's a big thread of the, you know, the program that I, that's happening here in Madison starting in March, um, kind of that, that inward journey in the company of, you know, stunning colleagues in service of impact. Yeah. 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 And it sounds like that's kind of something you enjoy. Like I noticed that you said that you like work with high impact individuals or people who are trying to make change and going back to defining terms that are hard, hard to define. Like what, what do you, how do you can like, or how do you decide, or what do you think is the definition of someone as a high impact individual? Like, what does that, mean to you and i'm also curious like what you've learned by working with these kind of people because it sounds like you're working with leaders all the time um like what are some things you've noticed that a lot of these leaders and high impact individuals whether it's qualities or habits or mindsets some have you noticed some commonalities between all these people those are kind of it's kind of a two-part question but i'll let you attack it the way you want to (laughs) so overall i would say it's coming back to that idea of you know a positive dent so people who on some level are passionate about and interested in making some sort of positive impact in the world around them. And that doesn't have to be, you know, the whole world, but in their immediate world or the parts of the world that they care about. So um, an interest in making a, a positive impact in some way. Um, and, and generally speaking, you know, the themes and the threads across the board of my clients, they're people who are really interested in growth and learning. So you know, they're always stretching themselves and, and learning new things and growing their capacity as, as leaders. And also they're, they're willing to hold up that mirror that we've been talking about. So they're willing to do the hard work of looking in the mirror and saying, okay, who am I as a leader? Where might I be getting in my own way? <laughs> you know, where, where are my blind spots that might be really hard to look at, but that I know I need to address in service of whatever I want to create next. So I'd say that you know, passion for some, you know, passion for making a positive impact, commitment to growth and learning, and willingness to hold up the mirror and look, you know, look deep within, I would say those are three of the, um, three of the qualities that are pretty consistent across um, nearly all the people I get to get to work with. Hmm. Cool. You mentioned something in there that sparked a, another thought in my brain, which happens a lot, but uh, so thinking about, you know, somebody like yourself. So when you decide to start a company and you fully invested it and you said, you know, just because you start working in alignment with something new, doesn't mean that new problems don't arise. And I'm, I'm always interested on, and I wanted to talk about this anyways, which is the idea of like work-life balance and, and how you view that. I know some people use the term like work-life integration. I have my own thoughts about it, but you know, how did you battle this idea of, okay, you're starting to fully invest in your new, your new baby, your new, uh, you know, your new business. Did it, 
did other parts of your life suffer? Like did some personal aspects suffer? And then how did you go about trying to make proper adjustments? And also on a broad level, how do you view the work-life balance debate? Because I think that's an interesting uh, topic to discuss. Absolutely. Yes. Um, short answer is yes. And it's <laughs> 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 a progress for me. And I would love to hear your thoughts on it too afterwards. <laughs> so coming back to the point we talked about earlier, I tend to find that those of us who get really passionate about what we're doing and are really invested in it and who love the work have a hard time turning it off or knowing, you know, knowing where to draw those lines or create those boundaries. And I've historically thought about it as work-life integration or work-life alignment, um, both in the sense of internally that we don't have to show up as two different people or three different people or four different people in the different contexts of our lives, but also that the different dimensions of our lives can fit together. Um, and, I, and I find that that means different things at different times. So I tend to also think about it as seasons or thinking about seasons of life. So, you know, our work-life integration or alignment uh, might look different in a season of life where, you know, like you're early in your business, you're going all in, you just started it, you're going at it 150%. Um, what feels like alignment or feels like integration might look different than, you know, some of my clients, for example, who um, have recently had kiddos and they're realigning their life or redesigning their life um, in a way that, that looks different than it did a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. So um, I, I, think, I think that it's fluid and I think that, um, what we desire for integration or alignment often looks different depending on the season of our lives and, and what's important or what matters in those seasons of life. Um, and to your earlier question of is it something I've struggled with? Yes, definitely. Um, so an embarrassing disclosure, I guess, is um, <laughs> in 2016, I, so I, I did Ironman back in 2008 and I, you probably gathered from how I started my business. I'm sort of an all or nothing person. So um, <laughs> we're all in and all out, which is how I was with my business at the beginning and how I was with Ironman. So, you know, in 2008, I signed up for Ironman. I had never done a triathlon in my life. I, I did triathlons only in 2008 to train. And then I didn't touch my triathlon bike or anything about triathlon for eight years. And then in 2016, which was three years into my business, I was really trying to figure out um, how to create more um, balance or uh, time or whatever we want to call it in my life outside my business. And so knowing myself and knowing that um, that's hard for me, I decided to sign up for Ironman as a way to force myself to take breaks from my, <laughs> from my business. Just a small break. <laughs> <laughs> you know, throughout the week <laughs> to like go ride my bike or go swimming. And so that was my... Um, approach and it, and it did kind of work but but that said there was a another one of those moments those very distinct memories where I was working down in Iowa at the time and I was in a, sort of a remote area of Iowa and I was um I was at a courtyard hotel and I remember um I think I had been like traveling and, and leading workshops all day and for some reason I don't know why I didn't I didn't have an opportunity to to go get like an actual meal and so i ended up getting one of those um you know those like microwavable meals from the 
from the cooler in the front of the hotel. <laughs> meanwhile, I went back up to my room. I'm eating this like terrible, you know, microwave meal. And I opened up my, um, my training plan for my coach. And it's all these little boxes of what you're supposed to do every week. And all the boxes were red because I hadn't done any of the, you know, any of the training that I was supposed to do. Yeah. I share that only because it's like, um, again, it's something I talk about a lot. It's something I, I read about a ton. It's something I'm always practicing. And for me, it's a very continuous work in progress in terms of um, aligning time and, you know, creating, creating those those stopping points. So short answer, yes, I struggle with it. <laughs> Even though I teach about it and read about it all the time. And I, it's a topic I'm sort of sort of partially obsessed with and also um and maybe because of this it's um very much a work in progress for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well I mean, yeah, it's one thing to have the information and then yeah. you, you gotta <laughs> You know, just just because you're a coach or just because this person knows something doesn't mean they don't also have to do the work of it, right? Doesn't mean that the work the work doesn't just not it doesn't just not apply to you, right? So that's I think that's hilarious how you thought that a way to distract yourself would be oh I'm just gonna train for another Iron Man like that'll be that'll be an easy way to distract. Well, it's like that's a pretty big commitment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I don't know if you've um, encountered the four tendencies at all by Gretchen Rubin. But that was something that I learned about myself a number of years ago now. Um, basically, Gretchen Rubin, uh, she's, she's written a number of books. They're all really good, um, Better Than Before. And then now she has another book, The Four Tendencies, which we'll talk about this. But she basically talks about um, how we respond to expectations of ourselves and then expectations that other people have for us. And she has four types, an upholder, an obliger, a rebel, or a questioner. And when I read her her book better than before I quickly discovered that I'm an obliger which means that I um, am much better at responding to expectations that other people have for me than the expectations that I have for myself and mm. so learning that was really helpful and um, you know for people listening if they're thinking about this question it could be an interesting framework to look at you can you, know, you can go get her quiz online for free it's really short but um, again coming back to that idea of willpower that we talked about with blue zones, it takes some of the need for willpower out of things because you can start to design, you can design your habits and design your structures and your work-life integration in a way that actually aligns with how you respond to expectations. So as an obliger, what that means for me is if I say that I want to do something like go to the gym or have time for writing in the morning, I am more likely to do that if I have an external, some kind of external accountability um you know for a questioner they would be more likely to do it if they understand why and they understand their importance so um that's another thing i guess i would add into the mix is for those of us who struggle with the topic of work-life integration or balance or or creating time for the things that are important to us learning how you respond to expectations could be another helpful um you know another helpful thing to look at as you're trying to make that stuff happen hmm. Cool. Is she the one who wrote Happiness Project as well? Yep. That's her? Okay, yep. cool. And she's got a podcast, right? Just like called Happiness or yep. something like that? Okay, yep. yeah. She's got a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, totally. And she does a good job with the research behind it too. So um, I would find her work to be pretty valuable. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing uh, Yeah, all your thoughts on on that. I, I just what think that's an interesting... What's up? When you said you have some thoughts on work-life integration, how do you think about it? 
Well, and again, I think this is different for everybody, but I, I, I view them as like one in the same in a lot of ways. Like, and that doesn't mean that I disregard one or the other, but I just, I kind of like you hit it on the head when you said, I, I think that everything I do in my personal life affects my professional life. And I think vice versa is exactly the same. And, and I guess like with running this podcast and with being someone who aspires to be a coach and a speaker someday and, and create events for people where they can form community, like all the things you're working on too, like these are all somewhat aligned into my goals as well. And so I view like every interaction I can have with a human as in a way that I can learn to do something in the future or every experience I have teaches me something or every time I take a break, it's not like I'm not being productive in the business because that break is allowing me then to probably step back and refuel myself and then go be a better, you know, go work for a week straight and, and do a lot of good work. So I've started to take the approach and I think you could use this approach and like trick yourself being like, Oh yeah, like I'll take a couple of weeks off and just, but like, for me, it's, it's pretty intentional. It's like, okay, I definitely need a couple of days off here. Like I've been, I've been working really hard, use those three days as a reset, but also like, what can I learn in those three days that are going to, so for me, it's just like, I view it as a big, it, yeah, it's all one. And, and I, I like that on a couple fronts because I, I think that you kind of hit said this too, where like people can get a different sort of identity and work that doesn't really align who they are and and again I think this can like really for some people then you know I think one of my least favorite sayings like it's just business like it's not life and it's like well it is kind of your life like it's like this is a big it's a it's a big chunk but I think it's 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 would not be smart to disregard it as like not being a big part of your life so for me like all the relationships I make in business all the people I interview on the podcast I'm like look we're just humans like we're just people who are connecting and like yeah it's through a, a you could call it a business lens I guess if that's what you want to call this I but I consider it to be more of like again how are we just connecting and how are we serving each other not just professionally but on a personal level because I think for a lot of people like these kind of conversations help teach them something or you got to get your thoughts out there or, you know there's all these different things. So in my life and in my world, um, because my work, I feel like is so aligned with all this stuff. Like I just view it as just one big, one big ball. And, and that can play into your point of like not knowing when to stop sometimes working. But I think that just goes back to the always be checking on yourself and making sure that you're always like doing what's best for yourself. And that can look different at different stages in your life. So that's kind of what it's like for me, at least right now, um, at this point in life. I love that. And I love what you said about, you know, personal impacts work and work impacts personal. And um, what comes up for me as you say that is it's all, you know, at the end of the day, it's all, it's all connected. And, you know, if we, again, if we think about values, like those values of relationship or community or connection or conversation or whatever those are, um, they're not segmented that, you know, they're not separate. They're, they span all the areas of your life. So I, I really like the way you said that. And, the other thing that comes up for me as you say that is um, this idea of not having to have it all figured out for the five-year plan or the 10-year plan or the 20-year plan, but paying attention to how can I make an impact right now or you know, what's going to bring me joy right now and how can I do that? And then how can I let that inform the thing that I'm going to do next? So I think what you're doing is so cool yeah. because it's like you don't have to have the 20-year vision figured out of, of your exact 
you know, business, you can keep having interesting conversations and let those conversations inform whatever's meant to emerge next. So I think there's a lot of wisdom in the approach that you're taking and, and how you're thinking about that. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad you approve. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I've learned so much from the podcast guests, which has just been like free, free coaching, you could call it in a sense. I mean, it's been, it's like, I get to ask people all these questions and they're forced to tell me the answer. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, man, so I'm curious going forward, like, um, thinking about this year and beyond, uh, just kind of like some visions you have for uh, projects you're working on or, or visions, or maybe it's even more of like not a tangible, but more of an intangible, like inkling that you're feeling like you want to keep following. Is there anything on, kind of on your mind going forward here that you really want to pursue harder or, or start anew or anything of, of that source? Yeah. I'm excited about the two new events this year. So the retreat that we talked about in California yeah. and then um, the leadership program that I'm running in Madison, which is, it's a four part eight day program that runs March, April, May, and June in Madison. And it's really the culmination of everything I've been working on really since starting my business. And so again, it's that mix of you know leadership development and personal development and, um, personal personal restoration and nourishment in service of ultimately in service of impact um with with a lot of fun things sprinkled in so i'm excited about that it's brand new this year and um i guess in terms of future i'm pondering the possibility of what it could look like to take a year to take a year and go completely remote and you know live mm. in or live elsewhere for a year with the, with, with complete location-based freedom uh, and also you know still doing a lot of the work that I do but from interesting places around the U.S. talking to interesting people in, in interesting places so that's mm. sort of a future vision that I'm pondering at the moment. I love that that's that's incredible something yeah that would just I've thought about things like that too, where it's like, you just know that would be incredible. I mean, you just, <laughs> you know, that there'd be so much, we could talk about that for a while probably, but yeah, I, the idea of like getting one of those, uh, those vans and just putting the, the bed in the back and getting the little kitchen in there and just saying, I'm, I'm going and I'm going to go do something incredible with it. That sounds, let me know if you end up deciding to do it. I want to hear about it. <laughs> I'll make a stop there. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll make a stop there. Well, I don't know if Minneapolis is like the cool places that you're envisioning, but maybe on your way back or, or something like that. <laughs> cool. Well, okay, I gotta ask you this question because this is a theme of the of the show. But uh how would you define what an extraordinary life is for yourself? I think it's twofold, which is holding the bigger vision and holding what's possible and working toward working toward that that bigger thing whatever that might be and at the same time finding joy and beauty and fulfillment in the very ordinary parts of everyday life um, mm. there's a quote and i think a book i think it might be a book title as well uh, by Jack Cornfield, and it's you know after the ecstasy, the laundry, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, <laughs> where there's this duality between chasing our big dreams and 
building something amazing and wanting to have an extraordinary life and being able to be present with what's happening right now. And for a lot of my clients, and, and I struggle with this as well, there's this, there's that duality of, you know, be present, be here now, love what is uh, here and now, and then the what's possible and where we're going and growing and stretching and learning for the future. And I believe that there's this sweet spot where, where there's the middle ground, right, where we are really present and grateful for what we have now, and also we're holding the big dream and working toward it and challenging ourselves for the future. And I think if I were to think about extraordinary, I feel like extraordinary lives in that middle ground between here mm. now and presence and gratitude and holding the big uh, picture of what's possible. All right, everyone, dream chasers, entrepreneurs, hustlers, creators, growth-minded people out there, thanks for listening to a, another episode of the Dreamology Podcast. The call to action for this episode is, you know, it, it's funny, I think most call to actions are, are quite simple, and that's what makes them powerful. But as Sarah said, you know, you don't hit a point in life where you don't find something and you you say, I've made it, you know, that's it, I'm good. It's a constant and it's an ongoing process of us asking ourselves, how are we showing up in the world? Sometimes that requires us to make small changes, but sometimes it requires us to make big changes. And so how do we check in with ourselves always? Well, I think the call to action would be every Sunday night or pick whatever time of the week works for you. Sit down and truly journal about your week. Journal about the good, the bad, the things that you missed, the opportunities that you did take and that went well. And truly just start to ask yourself these questions every week. I think it can start with a page of journaling a week. If you already journal, this is great. Um, but this is for people maybe who don't, or if you want to add some more purpose to your journaling, use it as a tool for constant and, and never-ending growth. So with all that being said, go out there and make your dream life a reality, and I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.